Welcome to Horty Springer's Health Law Expressions podcast on a segment we like to call the Kickback Chronicles. I'm Henry Cassell. And I'm Hale Mazoffer. We invite you to kick back and relax as we dive into this week's case. The title of today's podcast is The Pain Caused by Lying to the Feds. And I want to begin this podcast with a trip down memory lane. When I was in pharmacy school, which was a long, long time ago, over 40 years we're talking, I had a professor who defined pain as that which hurts. At the time, I recall thinking that there has to be a more elegant, less subjective means to define this term. However, time has taught me that the reason why this definition is stuck with me all these years is because of its simplicity and its accuracy. While the definition of pain may be simple, treating people's pain is anything but. Pain is a symptom, a very subjective symptom. The most effective drugs to treat pain are opioid derivatives, which means they are effective pain relievers, but they're also subject to abuse. According to Harvard professor Howard Coe, the current opioid crisis ranks as one of the most devastating public health catastrophes of our time. It started in the mid-1990s when the powerful agent OxyContin, promoted by Purdue Pharma and approved by the Federal Drug Administration, triggered the first wave of deaths linked to the use of legal prescription opioids. Then came a second wave of deaths from from the heroin market that expanded to attract already addicted people. More recently, a third wave of deaths has arisen from illegal synthetic opioids like fentanyl. This brings us to today's case, which involves subsis, an expensive form of liquid fentanyl. Subsis is applied under the tongue, also technically called sublingually, allowing it to quickly enter the bloodstream. So it is a fast-acting form of fentanyl that has been approved to relieve breakthrough pain in patients suffering from certain types of cancer. We emphasize the word certain because the patient's diagnosis was pivotal to the result in this case. Why? Because most insurers, including Medicare, will only pay for subsis if the patient is suffering from a type of cancer for which subsis was approved. So subsis appears to be an important therapeutic development, and we hope this medication helps the people suffering from one of the types of cancer for which the drug has been approved. However, the high price of this medication and the significant commission that is paid to the drug representatives of this company can lead to abuse, which brings us to this week's podcast. Hela, the gory details, please. Absolutely. So today we're focusing on a Dr. Stephen Chun. Uh, Now, Dr. Chun owned and operated a pain management clinic in Sarasota, Florida. At a pain management clinic, you can imagine there's a lot of drugs being prescribed every day. Uh, That's the nature of this type of business. Among the the drugs that Dr. Chun prescribed was subsis, which, as Henry said, is an expensive form of liquid fentanyl that's applied under the tongue and is to be used to help certain cancer patients with breakthrough pain. Thanks to American patent law, there are a lot of drugs that are exclusive to just one company, and Subsys is one of them. So Subsys is only made by a company called Insys Therapeutics, and it's important because also involved in this case is a man named Daniel Tondre. 
Now, Mr. Tondre was a sales representative for INSYS. If you're familiar with the pharmaceutical sales reps at all, whether you deal with them on a daily basis or you've just seen the movie Love and Other Drugs, their job is to sell, sell, sell. They want you to use their company's drug and only their company's drug. Also important to our story is the fact that pharmaceutical sales reps are paid on commission. So the more expensive drugs that a physician prescribes, the more they make. Now, Mr. Tondre actively marketed subsists to Dr. Chun. That's nothing out of the ordinary or unlawful. And Dr. Chun prescribed subsists, also not out of the ordinary or unlawful. But the problem was that apparently Dr. Chun didn't like the fact the more he prescribed this drug, the only people who benefited economically were Mr. Tondra and Insys Therapeutics. Especially since it was reported that Mr. Tondra made more than $737,000 in salary and commissions, and Me Medicare Part D paid Insys more than $4.5 million just for the subsist prescriptions that were written by Dr. Chun. So Mr. Tondra came up with a scheme that rewarded Dr. Chun for prescribing subsis. In order to get Dr. Chun to not only write more prescriptions for subsis, but to also order higher dosage prescriptions of this drug, Mr. Chandra paid Dr. Chen to speak at speaker events. Now, we should point out at this part of our podcast that the speaking arrangement would be lawful if, and I emphasize the word if, Dr. Chung actually provided a legitimate speaking service for incest and Dr. Chung was paid the fair market value of the speaking services that he actually performed. Unfortunately for Mr. Chung, for Dr. Chung, Mr. Tondra, and the patients who received subsists who should not have, that did not happen here. Rather, M Mr. Tondra would hold bogus and sham speaking events for Dr. Chung to speak at and pay him anywhere from $2,400 to $3,000 per speaking event for a total of $278,900 uh, over a little less than three years. Now, to give them credit, Henry, these speaker events did happen. So I know what you're wondering. If these events occurred, then how was the federal government able to convince a jury of these gentlemen's peers beyond a reasonable doubt that these were sham speaking events? Well, most of the time, the only attendees at these speaking events were Dr. Chun's family and friends. The attendance list also included a number of repeat attendees for the same speech. So the information was not new. And if you've ever been to one of these speaking events, chances are one time was more than enough for you. The government was also able to prove that the signatures of physicians who supposedly signed the attendance sheets for many of these events were falsified and forged by Mr. Tondra. INSYS also hired Dr. Chen's girlfriend to work as an INSYS liaison to facilitate the approval of insurance forms, including forms that were submitted to Medicare. And we should add that apparently there was also evidence presented at trial that in order to get Medicare and other insurers to pay the significant cost of this drug, the claim for the medication listed an improved form of cancer as the patient's diagnosis, even if that diagnosis was not accurate. So never underestimate the effect on a jury of forged documents, whether they are attendance logs or, more significantly, insurance firms. So, between the amounts received by Dr. Chun to 
for doing little to nothing, the commissions paid to Mr. Tondra, the Medicare reimbursement received by incest, the number of subsist prescriptions written by Dr. Chung, often with an inaccurate diagnosis intended to get Medicare and other insurers to pay for this expensive medication, and the other information provided over the course of a 10-day trial, the Department of Justice was able to meet its burden of proof that these sham, sham speaker programs were nothing more than disguised kickbacks and bribes paid to Dr. Chun to induce him to prescribe subsis and that forged documents were used to obtain that payment for the subsis prescription. So, Hela, what happened next? So, in May of 2022, after a 10-day trial that you mentioned, a federal jury found both Dr. Chun and Daniel Chandra guilty of conspiring to pay and receive kickbacks and bribes in the form of speaker fees in returning for prescribing subsis. Both were convicted of five separate counts of paying and receiving kickbacks. Mr. Chandra was also convicted of two counts of identification fraud in connection with the sham speaker events. Then, on December 7th of last month, Dr. Chen was sentenced 3.5, three and a half years in federal prison and ordered to forfeit $278,000, the proceeds of the offenses. A week later, Tonder was sentenced to four years in federal prison and ordered to forfeit his proceeds from the fence offenses, which came in around $483,000. The court also tacked on an extra $25,000 fine he will have to pay. To show you how seriously the DOJ takes the opioid epidemic, it should not surprise you to learn that the executives from Insys, again, the company that manufactures subsis, were the first pharmaceutical execs to be sentenced to prison for the role in the opioid epidemic. They received some pretty serious serious jail time, not just a fine. Their sentences range from two years to five and a half years. There's actually a PBS documentary on subsis, and it includes some of the executives commenting on what they did. Fines, civil forfeiture, jail time, and if you're a healthcare professional, loss of license and exclusion from all federal healthcare programs. We don't know how many times we have to say it, but healthcare-related crime just doesn't pay. But since it's certain that supposedly educated men and women will ignore that simple advice, I don't expect to run out of cases for us to discuss on the Kickback Chronicles for quite a while. We hope that you continue to turn in, learn, and hopefully be entertained by the misfortune of others. If you want to learn more about the False Claims Act, the Anti-Kickback Statute, the Stark Law, amendments to regulations to those laws, and much more, consider joining Dan Mulholland, myself, in Phoenix on November 16th to 18th, 2023, for our next seminar. In the interim, be sure to check out the Horty Springer website to find out how to receive our free weekly newsletter, the Health Law Express, as well as for more information about new and upcoming opportunities on this and many other health law related topics. Thanks for listening and tune in next time to the Kickback Chronicles to keep learning from the misfortune of others. Mm-hmm.